Hello, it's Tuesday the 7th of March. I'm Gary Bowerman. On today's show, I'll be chatting all things travel and tourism in the Philippines with Manila-based Felice Axelan. So let's get started. This is the Southeast Asia Travel Show. Hello, wherever you are in the world, and thanks for listening in. It's just me again this week as Hannah is attending the ITB Travel Show in Berlin. But anyway, it's probably overdue for us to address the travel recovery in the Philippines, which is a country we don't talk about nearly enough on the show. So to remedy that, I'm delighted to welcome back Felice Axelan, who is General Manager at Tradewings Tours and Travel Corps. Felice was previously on the show way back on the 11th of August, 2021, back in the dark days of COVID-19. The travel landscape in the Philippines and across Asia Pacific was very different back then. So it's great to welcome back Felice for a catch up. So hi Felice, how are you doing? And where are you right now? Hi Gary, nice to be back here. Actually, it was also surprising that I've, the last time I was with you guys was August in 2021. <laughs> I seem to have <laughs> forgotten those two years, 2020 and 2021. But yeah, I ha- have been in the Philippines um, since the start of the year and planning to do travel across Europe for leisure only. But um, for now, I'm here in the Philippines because there's so much to do. Revenge travel is really hitting our faces. And so I have to be stuck in the office for now to make sure that everything is running smoothly. Well, that sounds both good and bad. We'll come to some of the developments in the Philippines in a moment. But as you said there, um, the last time we spoke, Felice, 19 months ago uh, on the show, you were in Switzerland at that time and you'd been traveling, I think, also in Greece and Spain. So fill us in a little bit about what you've been doing ever since. Have you continued commuting between the Philippines and Europe? Yes, I have. I've actually traveled to Switzerland quite a lot until um, October last year. And that's when I went back to the Philippines and settled for good. But um, ever since then, it has been very much easier for us to travel in and out of the country. We've actually had some of our groups started traveling last April 2022, specifically in Switzerland with the promotions that we've been handling there. So, um, yeah, it's been a really good ride so far and also a really surprising one because it's as if you were hibernating for two years and then suddenly you just woke up and then everyone wanted to travel and it seemed like it was 2019 all over again. (laughs) That's very true because I remember when we did speak back in in August 2021, you didn't have a great deal of optimism that anything would change uh, anytime soon. I don't think we did here in Southeast Asia and it didn't for a while. But once it did start happening, um, did things start to sort of develop quite quickly? Yes, yes, it did. And actually, we were also unprepared at that time because we were thinking that, you know, maybe it would be a gradual increase in the number or in the demand of travelers. So we were quite uh, held back, especially during the months of June to August, because technically those weren't really peak season for us in the Philippines. Usually it was always March until May. So when June to July came, we've had so many last minute bookings, people suddenly booking their flights seven days before their departure and asking us to arrange trips to Europe for more than 15 days. So it's quite a challenge. It was quite a challenge for us because at that time we were also trying to book with the rest of the world. We're also doing their summer breaks or summer holidays all over the globe. And we were 
really having a hard time trying to find availability of all services from the guides to the hotels to drivers and whatnot. So let's go back to sort of the start of this process. Tell us a little bit more about the Philippines reopening process, because as we know, uh, Hannah and I were both quite confused sometimes about the interprovincial rules that the Philippines had during the pandemic. What's the situation now? Is everything open and functioning normally? Yes, actually, the last time we spoke, I was telling Hannah that we were traveling like as if we were traveling internationally here in the Philippines because we needed to have RT-PCR tests. We needed to send or have proof of vaccination. But now everything is open. None of the provinces have any travel requirements anymore, except maybe for a few, but the only travel requirements they have in order to support their local um local tourism facilities it's just that you have to present uh, proof of booking but that's it but otherwise nobody's required to present vaccination certificates anymore nobody's required to do testing but we are still required to uh, wear face masks at all times especially during the flight but once you get to your destination it's not mandatory anymore that's fascinating to hear. If we go back uh, back into 2022, the reboot of travel in the Philippines, it coincided with a national election, a very important election, and a new government was installed. This brought into place a new tourism secretary, Cristina Garcia Frasco. Has there been a change in policy focus regarding travel and tourism since the new government came into power? Yep, somewhat, yes. Uh, DOT previously focused on marketing the Philippines as a destination and now they're focusing on having the philippines travel ready for incoming tourists so they're also trying to put a spotlight on lesser known destinations specifically in visayas and mindanao and they have also extended the free accreditation for travel agencies as well so i'm not sure if this is correlated but we as a b2b tour operator has already seen an increase in newly established travel agencies that caters to both domestic and international tours which makes it look look like it's easier now to put up your travel agency and mind you we didn't really cater to travel agencies booking the domestic packages with us before but now we have been getting a lot of these requests that's fascinating and one of the things that we've noticed in the media is that travel infrastructure seems to be getting a lot more coverage. Is that a fair uh, summary? Yes, it is. Actually, um, the DOT secretary tried to focus initially on meeting the local government units before to see what the situation is in terms of their local tourism. And one of their main projects that they're thought of, and they have actually already started, is the tourist rest areas or the TRAs. They've already had groundbreaking ceremonies for this in some well-visited destinations such as in Palawan or in Baguio City that did not have any welcoming areas for tourists at all, surprisingly, especially that they are main tourist destinations. So they also wish to improve some land and sea tourist facilities such as the airports and the seaports. And they're also trying to set up a tourist assistance call center to help tourists and make them feel more secure because let's face it if you are a foreigner trying to visit the philippines you don't know who to call if in case you get scammed or if in case you have an emergency so this is what the tourist assistance call center is uh, going to be established for that's interesting and in terms of travel infrastructure we read last year that clark airport officially opened its new terminal 
Is that having any impact on domestic and international travel? Yes, actually quite a huge impact for both domestic and international travel because some international carriers have lessened their flight frequency from Manila. And so having flights to Clark or from Clark help increase the load for international departures and arrivals. Actually, this coming April, they have also partnered with Cebu Pacific and Philippine Airlines to offer more international and domestic destinations from Clark. So that will surely fill the gap for travelers, especially up north, who find it a hassle to go to Manila just to fly out, and also for incoming travelers to explore less visited destinations in the northern part of the Philippines. For tour operators like us, we support openings of new international hubs like Clark because it gives us more options for departures and for flights. Yeah, that's interesting. Are there any other um, in, um, sort of um, important airport developments uh, underway? Um, they're trying to open up Davao as um, more of an international airport and trying to increase the frequency of direct flights from Singapore. And also they're trying to bring back direct flights from China as well. So in terms of the inbound recovery, how is it taking shape? It's almost a year now since the Philippines reopened. I know that there was sort of gradual increments in terms of the, the restrictions as they were lifted. But, but how is the overall recovery looking? It's looking very good. Actually, the DOT has always been very conservative in putting their targets, but they've always breached their targets since last year. So in 2022, we have breached 2.6 million arrivals. And this year, we're actually targeting 4.8 million arrivals, which is roughly only half of our 2019 figures. Though we hope we can surpass the target now that one of our main tourist markets, or at least the biggest tourist market pre-pandemic, has finally opened up, which is China. And are you starting to see that? Is, is there a sort of an excitement now? I mean, we're seeing this in Malaysia, Singapore, you know, the, the reopening of China sort of brings together the whole region once again. But it, it is a very, very crucial market for, for each country in our region. Will we see a lot of promotion of the Philippines to Chinese travelers? Yes, definitely. We have actually had our government trying to talk with um, China as well into partnerships in terms of tourism. And we have seen a lot of um, newly built uh, hotels, which are mainly catering to Chinese tourists as well, because they also have staff who are Mandarin speaking. One of the things that Hannah and I picked up on a couple of weeks ago, I think it was maybe last month, um, in the Philippine media, was reports that tax refunds will be introduced next year for international travelers. Now, neither Hannah or, Hannah or nor I knew that this wasn't actually in place in the Philippines. Do you think this will have an impact? And why is it happening now? Honestly, I think this was only laid out as a suggestion, but there have been no formal plans coming from the DOT nor the BIR into executing this. So there will be a lot to work on in terms of digitizing our tax system, more so in implementing a tax refund scheme for tourists, because these will mostly apply only for big stores and not for small local ones. And just note that we have so many local shops all across our tourist destinations who are not required to really file for taxes. So there will only be limited coverage. And given the current waiting time we have at our international airports, adding tax refund into the process might congest and also prolong the check-in process for outgoing travelers. So in any case, the VAT or the VAT exemption would only be 12%. 
So at the moment, I do not really see much of an impact in terms of tourist expenditure since they would rather spend more on experiences than on retail here in the Philippines. Yeah, that's a good point. So just to clarify, at the moment, this is a suggestion, this is advice to the government, but there is no policy in place. None as of yet. Right. Okay. So let's move on, Felice, to talk about outbound travel, which I know is something that's very close to your heart. What are you seeing there? Where are travelers heading and which are the most popular destinations since the Philippines reopened? At the moment, it's actually Asia due to the ease of visas, which is for Southeast Asia, we don't need any visa at all. Um, Japan mostly has increased after it has lifted most of its restrictions and acquiring a visa with them is not too hard as well. We do get more requests for individual travels to Europe compared to group travels. A lot more complicated itineraries, but definitely higher spending capacity. So let's just say, on average, people were willing to spend on a group tour less than $2,000, including um, round-trip airfare and four-star hotels in Europe. But now they're willing to spend more than $2,500. So we are really seeing them spending about 20 to 50% more than what they used to on packages. And we've also seen them increasing more their travel duration. So there have been cases in which we have seen that people would rather book a 15 to 21 day trip rather than what they used to book before, which was a seven day to 10 day trip. Yeah, that's interesting. And you referenced there Japan, which seems to be a region wide sort of popularity contest at the moment. Japan is very, very hot here in Southeast Asia. Was that the case before the pandemic or is the the demand slightly different now? It was also the same case before the pandemic because a lot of Filipinos see Japan as a country they would visit multiple times, not just once. And this actually also goes the same for Korea, but with the problem on visa applications with Korean embassies right now, people are gearing more into Japan. And so a lot of um, social media influencers have also been posting about Japan. And I guess that's also majorly due to the efforts of um, Japan Tourism Board. So Japan is really selling like hotcakes at the moment. Yeah, that's fascinating. You referenced there a few times the visa issues, Felice. And I know that um, across our region, this has been a big uh, issue for particularly for tour operators, travel agencies trying to book groups into Europe. What is the situation for Philippine travelers? Are there particular countries or regions where it's proving more difficult at the moment? And, and why is that? We have also had issues with Schengen embassies running out of slots. And especially during the start of revenge travel back in 2022, we have had an influx of requests for sudden visa applications. And the problem was at that time, the embassies also had most of their staff out of the country or not in the Philippines yet. And so we were having difficulties in terms of releasing their visas on time. I know you might have heard of a lot of losses that Indonesian tour operators were incurring back then because their visas were also not released on time. So that was a main problem for us back in 2022. Now it has um, somehow eased a bit. We have had more slots. But because of the demand, it's still not enough. So most of the time we opt to talk with VFS or VLS, the third parties, if they could offer visa at your doorstep services at a premium price, which is almost double the price of the normal visa issuance, just to ensure that their visas are filed early, or at least we can choose a specific date in which we can hold the visa application. 
one particular country, Asian country, that we're having huge difficulties in visa application right now is Korea. And it has come to a point that most of the travel agencies who are offering Korea as a package has started boycotting Korea in general um, on all over social media because they always say that Korea should do better in terms of the application procedure here in the Philippines. At the moment, most of the operators or most of the travel agencies were doing Korea. They have to line up at 3 a.m. in the morning at the embassy and then end up not getting any slots at all. So there's no proper appointment system that the embassy has done, at least for Korea right now. And this is what they're really trying to talk with uh, in terms of the Korean tourism. Some of them are also, they, they are diverting to other options, which Korea has now, like visa-free destinations in Korea, but doesn't include Seoul in general. So they are diverting to Jeju, which is visa-free or having a fly Gangwon package that allows them to enter Korea via Yangyang without visa. Uh, so if you do that, if you enter via Yangyang or you enter via Jeju, that allows you to travel around the country. It's just the entry gateway. No, actually, you can only travel within the area. You cannot travel to Seoul. You still would need a visa to be able to travel to Seoul. So you're only stuck in Jeju or you're only stuck within Yangyang or Gangwon. That's an extraordinary situation. And is that because the number of slots, is it because that means that visa applications are getting delayed or are they getting denied as well? Or is it simply that you just can't get into the queue in the first place? I believe it's a lot of issues involved. One is that after the pandemic, they were saying that there have been a lot or there have been an increase of Filipinos going to Korea and then not returning back to the Philippines. This has actually made the application process at the Korean embassy much harder. They used to allow people to not submit tax forms, but now they're required otherwise to get automatically denied. So aside from that, I think there's also a lack of manpower in Korea right now. And imagine all of the travel agencies are starting to line up in front of the embassy every single day. So it's not something that they can handle all at once. Unlike with Schengen embassies, you only have set slots, right? And the agencies understand that they don't have to line up in front of the embassy. They have to have an appointment or schedule an appointment beforehand. Well, thanks for explaining that, Felice. That's something we'll, we'll all uh, keep our eyes on because I didn't, didn't realize that quite, particularly with South Korea. One of the things you were mentioning there in terms of forward booking patterns. You mentioned about window length. You looked at cost and value. Now, 2022 was quite an unusual year because it was a very compressed year. Things didn't really start going um, until sort of the back end of the year. But we now have 2023 stretching in front of us. Are you noticing anything different about travel patterns or booking trends in terms of seasonality? You mentioned that some people are staying a little bit longer. Are we going to see more consistency in booking trends this year than last year? Yes, I think so. Um, we've also talked with the team about this before when we did our annual report. And I was surprised that July figures in 2022 were much higher than July figures in 2019. And usually July to August is our lowest season. So we were surprised a bit to see July becoming a peak season now. And we're trying to figure out the reason why. And I think one of the reasons why is because there was a sudden shift in the academic school year. So before our summer period for elementary school was from March until May, but now they also shifted to June 
until August. And this is what made families wanting to book their trips in Europe or wherever else around June to August. But also we have more on the cost, to be honest as well. Um, I have never encountered individual bookings that are willing to spend more than $10,000 per person on a 10-day private tour before. And this does not even include flights yet. We have also seen an increase in duration, as I mentioned before, that they would like to make the most out of their vacation by staying out longer. So we used to offer seven days tour before, but now more and more opting for 10 to 15 days tours. Last year, we've also seen um, a major increase in FITs. More and more people are deciding to join or to have private tours instead of joining a group tour. And I guess this is mostly because of COVID or the fear of COVID before. So we're still seeing that trend going up now. Um, but the problem with us, of course, as tour operators is that they're still doing last minute bookings for these very long tours as private tours. So it's a little bit difficult to for us to handle this. But we're hoping that it's going to ease up more. And um, now that more inventory in terms of flights and services and hotels are coming up, we'll be able to offer uh, more services to the client. Fascinating stuff. So we'll switch gears slightly now and look at the cruise segment. Now, the Philippines is an archipelago nation, perfect for cruising in many, many ways. Outside of the country, we've been reading quite a lot recently that the Philippines is positioning itself as a cruise center, not just uh, for visitors, but also in terms of training uh, crew and, and that kind of thing. What's the situation on the ground? Where is the cruise sector going in the Philippines, do you think? Well, personally, myself, I was surprised to see the Silver Seas docking in Manila last February. So I was really happy to see that progress. And we have always only known Manila as a trading port, not as a main cruise port. So honestly, we have envied other Southeast Asian countries who have been docking major cruise lines in their ports. So us seeing Silver Sea start this in Manila back in February is good news to boosting tourism in our capital and nearby areas. Because as far as I know, when they did this and they welcomed uh, the Silver Seas last month, they also had... Intern, uh, they also had city tours within Intramuros, and they also had tours going out to Tagaytay, where the Taal volcano is, as well as other stops they'll make uh, along the way. So I've heard that they stopped by in Romblon, which is a not-so-visited part of the Philippines, but also has really good beaches. And then, of course, they also have to stop by Coron, which is one of the main destinations for travelers coming into the country. And what's the appetite for cruising like amongst Filipino travelers? I mean, I guess we're talking there about travelers coming to the Philippines, but what about outbound on the cruise sector? We actually saw a lot of increased interest in joining cruises. Although I do not have the figures yet, but we have seen an increase in the number of requests for cruises within Southeast Asia as well as in Europe. So I guess the ease of travel, especially for cruises, picking up passengers in the Philippines and then the all-in package that comes with it. I guess those are just some of the few points that is suddenly making cruises a more suitable way to travel for the Philippine market. So it's uh, it's a segment to watch? Yes, definitely. I wish we could jump on board, but... Uh, we have yet to find a major cruise line to make us a GSA here in the Philippines. Okay, we'll keep our eyes peeled for that one. So let's again switch gears to the domestic scene. Now, the Department of Tourism said it expects domestic tourism to make a full recovery this year. 
What are some of the hot trends you're seeing in domestic tourism? Because you mentioned earlier there's a lot more booking now of packages in the domestic arena, which didn't happen before the pandemic. Are we seeing changing trends in domestic travel? Yes, actually, um, we've had some routines back in the pandemic that we've continued up to this day. So when the Philippines was slowly opening up its domestic tourism, a lot of people were opting for quick trips or quick staycations out of Metro Manila. So now we see that still carrying on up to this day. So we have quick weekend trips to the north, which has been a thing now for most who are living in the capital. We see the nightlife shift from Makati, which is usually where the young ones always go to on a Friday night. It has shifted now to La Union, which is where most of the young ones come to overnight and then party and then surf because it's also one of the surfing capitals in the zone. It's only about five hours drive from Manila. The sudden boom of boutique hotels and Airbnbs and also villas, which were brought out by the pandemic, has also been making rounds now. So we have actually been trying to look for, just personally, look for staycations outside of Metro Manila every weekend. And we've seen some really nice looking Airbnbs that are already fully booked until next year until April 2024 next year. So we're quite a surprise with the amount of demands for these. We have also we are also surprised with the amount of popular or at least the increase in popularity for cyclists because during the pandemic they've started having bike lanes on most of the major roads. So the popularity of cyclists going on day trips or overnight trips to nearby provincial towns from the capital has also increased. Interesting trends there. I guess, I don't know if it's happening in the Philippines, but I guess it is. So that increase in appeal of staycations outside of Manila and also the Airbnbs that you mentioned being booked out, is that having an upward impact on prices? Um, on prices of the accommodations themselves, not so much. I can still see that they're very well competitive. I guess it's actually the reason why they prefer these, you know, traveling by road or by bicycle is that there was a huge increase in airfare, to be honest, domestically and also internationally. So people would rather try to travel much easier through by land, which is much cheaper for them as well. So overall, Felice, since we spoke 19 months ago, the situation is incredibly different now. I sense from what you're saying, there is there's much more positivity about the travel industry. There's much more positivity amongst travelers and consumers. There's, as you referred to a couple of times, you know, this, this revenge sentiment is, is really taking hold for 2023. We keep hearing around the region and around the world that you know, there are dark financial headwinds coming around the world. What's your sentiment? Do you think that that's going to have an impact on consumer demand through 2023, or is it just too early to tell? I guess it's too early to tell. At the moment, how I'm seeing it now is still we're a bit more optimistic that we can reach our 2019 visitor count this year, double the target that the DOT has this year. So mainly because we've seen a rise of popularity in social media. I have been really following on influencers and also normal um, accounts on those who are traveling here into the Philippines. And even if they're not influencers, they don't have a lot of following. I see a lot of views for these especially highlighting destinations around the Philippines, um, blogging about their experience traveling around the country. And it shows a lot, especially with those people who are interested more in visiting the country, that um, there's a lot of hope for them to come because they still say that the 
expenses that they're incurring during their trip are not so expensive compared to the other countries in Southeast Asia. So that gives us a lot of hope and that gives us a lot of optimism. That's great to hear. So bottom line, Felice, the fun is back in the Philippines. Is that correct? Definitely. It's more and more fun. (laughs) (laughs) More fun than ever. Yes. (laughs) That's great to hear. Felice, fantastic. Thank you so much for your comments and your insight today. It was great to chat uh, and and find out a little bit more about a market that I have to admit I don't know as much about. So thank you very much for your insights. It was great chatting to you. Thank you as well, Gary, for having me. And say hi to Hannah. Yeah, will do. So that brings us to a close of this week's show. Many thanks to Felice for joining me and sharing some fascinating insights about the Philippine market, inbound, outbound, and domestic. We hope you enjoyed the podcast and don't forget to send us your thoughts and comments via our LinkedIn page at the Southeast Asia Travel Show. As always, you can catch up with the Southeast Asia Travel Show's full back catalog on our website, the seasiatravelshow.com. And of course, you can find us on any international podcast platform. So that's a wrap for today, but I'll be back next week to talk more travel and tourism in Southeast Asia and beyond. See you next time.